Episode 25. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! Two! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. We have a special episode for you today and we are going to be discussing the DVD releases of Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk. But first, we'll uh, get some introductions out of the way. Um, Y'all know me, I'm Scott Gardner, the uh, world's greatest defective. And joining me as always is my co-freak, Chris Honeywell. Strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. How's it going, Chris? Chris Smash! And joining us for this episode, we have a slew, an absolute slew of guest freaks for the episode. First off, in no particular order whatsoever, we have Chris Johnson, host of the amazing SpiderCast. Hey, everybody. And we will be referring to Chris this episode as Spider Chris because he loves being typecast. (laughs) Next, we have Juan Castro, Inca extraordinaire, painter, pimp. And Spidercast and uh, Avengers Assemble podcast regular. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Next, we have Will Sanchez, Baron of the Cock Squad. Greetings, gentlemen. Ready, ready your cock laser. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, rounding out this panel, you know, I really wanted to uh, to get someone that I figured was was you know had witty, intelligent, and concise input on the topic. But as I couldn't find anybody like that, I invited back from episode seven, Mark Buttrick. Say hello, Mark. What do you mean round? Is that a crack at my weight? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. All right. We're going to get right into this. Jonas Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with a heart of steel. And Iron Man, I'll get the place. He fights and fights with the counter race. A blazing armor. Oh, Iron Man. A blazing armor. Alright, we're gonna start with Iron Man. We'll start off with uh Will Sanchez. What did what did you think of uh Iron Man? Just in general. Oh I, I loved it. When I first saw it I I loved every minute of it. Uh I didn't think they would be able to make a new Iron Man, like you know, since I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just enjoyed it, you know. I, I loved the armor. Uh I love that they had uh Adi Granov from the comics design the armor. Overall, uh, a great movie. I can't say much else than that. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris Johnson, what did you what did you think? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, it's one of my all time favorite um, comic book superhero movies, whatever you want to call it. Period. 
Iron Man's one of my favorite superheroes, and it was, you know, just like, like a total blast finally seeing him on the screen after so many, you know, years of them coming out with X-Men and Spider-Man and Batman, and now finally we got an Iron Man movie, and I thought it w- well met my expectations, and it was just, I think, the epitome of a fun superhero movie. You know, this past summer we had the top of taking superheroes in a dark direction with the Dark Knight, and then you had Iron Man, which did a great job of looking at superheroes in a more fun uh, light. Yeah. And I loved all the I loved all the references to stuff like the Ten Rings, which was in reference to the Mandarin and Shield, finally showing up in a Marvel film. So it was just a blast and a great movie. Even after we I watched it originally in the theater and I rewatched it was still as great as when it was in the theater. All right. And so far we're all thumbs up. So, uh Iron Man? Yes. Yeah, what yeah, um did you did you like it? What did you think just in a in a nutshell? I did like it. My um my main problem with it was that they spent a good 10 or 15 minutes of the movie um having Robert Downey Jr.'s character learn how to deal with the suit, learn how to figure out how to fly it, stabilize it. And then at the end, Jeff Bridges, who had no idea how to, you know anything about the suit, gets this mammoth, huge, ten times bigger costume and can work it perfectly. It, yeah. So that really distracted for the whole movie for me. So besides the ending of the movie, I thought it was really good. All right, so we've got um, now we're on to Juan Castro. What did you think? Oh, I love that movie. I saw it like four times in the theater. So yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. He, the first time I saw it actually was like a, a special screening like three days before it, it, it like made it out to like all the theaters here and uh, I really love that movie I got a DVD and I watched it twice already uh, I really really like it I wasn't such a big Iron Man before the movie but after that I've been getting uh, the two series that are coming out after it and uh, I'm really really loving it alright Scott now we're down to Scott H. Gardner Oh God! Briefly, in a nutshell. That's hard for me. Uh, it's hard for me to hard <laughs> for me to nutshell anything Cram it really. In that nutshell, man. In a nutshell, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I thought it was excellent. I didn't have any any beefs with it or anything like that. You know, I'm uh, you know I'm a nitpicker when it comes to my movies, especially my superhero movies. And I really thought I would be with an Iron Man movie because I am a big fan of the comics. You know, I've I've followed the character pretty well. I really enjoyed it. Was not my favorite superhero movie of the year, though, um, and I, you know we'll talk more about that later. About the only negative I can give it is, sadly, I don't think this is one that's going to stand up to a lot of sub- subsequent rewatches. You know, my my standard for you know a, a movie blowing me away at the movie theater is I kind of equate it to like to use a theme park analogy. If I want to get right back on the ride. Iron Man was one of those movies I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun, but I, nece- I didn't necessarily want to go jump back in line and ride it again. You know what I mean? It was one of those where I was like, "Man, that was pretty cool." So that was that was my only negative against it. You know, I, I rewatched it. You know, now that we're doing the the DVD review, you know, I, I rewatched it on DVD and I really enjoyed it. But being an origin story movie, it is slower than say something like Spider Man Two, which just gets right into the action right off the bat and never lets you go. And so I think well, Spider Man, the original Spider Man, was the same way. Exactly. I think that holds right. true for all of Ex- the first yeah. movies. Exactly. Yeah, the I think that story is always something that's really familiar to all of us too, most of the yeah. time. And so you have to sort of get through that. 
So I think that this movie suffered from Spider-Man 1 syndrome, I guess you would call it. But I think, you know, they're, they're definitely talking Iron Man 2. I think Iron Man 2 is the one that's just going to blow me away. Whereas this one was more like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I think I'll be the same way as I was with, with the Spider-Man movies. Where, you know, the first one was like, eh, it was okay. But the second one's the one that blew my socks off. I think it'll be the same way with Iron Man. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it, because I really did enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I pretty much, for... This rarely happens, but I pretty much agreed with all the critics as insofar as I think Robert Downey really carried the movie. I think I think he really he could you know the the character of Tony Stark could have been a really obnoxious he, he's an obnoxious character, but he put enough charm into it to make him a good protagonist, and he just worked that character in a in a Shatner-like fashion. He really sold the character like a lot of the music in it reminded me of um sort of uh power rangers there was some music i really liked and it had a had a uh suicidal tendencies song in it which is always is it suicidal tendencies it has institutionalized in it which is one of my favorite songs but there's some like flying scenes where where the you know it was just sort of that um joe satriani sort of guitar instrumental Music and that was a. The, uh, I think the movie would have been cheesier if Robert Downey Jr. wasn't in it. I think he sold it a lot more. But all in all, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was very well written the way it told the story. And I agree with Mark. Towards the end, that's where uh, it sort of slacked off. And uh, I thought, yeah, I, I agree with him totally about the Jeff Bridges character all of a sudden being able to just work this gigantic. So maybe he'd been using simulators or something, but at the same time, he's also pretty easily dispatched. You know, it becomes just sort of a, a boss fight at the end. What about uh, what about you, Chris Johnson, Spider Chris? <laughs> yeah, I, I can see how that was kind of an oversight on the writers that they did kind of pull the Obadiah Stane being able to use the suit out of nowhere. But I think that kind of how you were equating to it to a boss battle. I think yeah. that they kind of had the whole Mandarin thing. I think that is he's going to be like the main boss, you know, in the second movie, and Obadiah Stane was kind of the sub-boss right. before you get to the real heavy hitter. Now, has anybody here read the original um, comic book Iron Man Obadiah Stane fight from Iron Man 200? I read Not parts yet. of Okay, because I, I just wondered if how everybody else felt because well I don't know if I should spoil I don't want to spoil it for anybody but that that fight ends in a very distinctive very shocking manner that I was actually found myself disappointed that the movie didn't follow the same ending and I don't know if that's because they want to bring the character back at some point or if he'll be involved in subsequent Iron Man movies or what but the original fight in the comics um, was great. And and had an ending that just really you you don't quite see it coming and it's really a shocker so I'd, I I kind of wish they'd gone with that but uh, yeah I, I liked it I thought it was awesome and he definitely you know I think all superhero movies you you need that overblown enemy you know that big fight I think that was the problem with say something like Superman Returns or even to a certain extent the the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve as uh, you know as awesome as that movie is and it's arguably my favorite movie 
I think it does suffer from the fact he he never fights anybody on his power level. So you know, this Iron Man movie I think did it right, where he fought somebody that was basically an evil version of himself. You know that that part of it I, I liked. I think you need that big overblown threat. I was sort of seeing maybe I thought there was going to be a battle in Iraq, you know, with a whole army of you know insurgent built Iron Men. I thought that would have been really cool, but. I was still, don't get me wrong, I wasn't unhappy with the ending, but it was it was a bit, it was a little formula, you know, but that's sort of, when you're working with comic books, you're sort of working within a, within a formula. I really, I, I liked how the movie started. I really liked how it just started with a big bang, and then it backtracked a little bit, and worked you back up to that point, and I thought that was, yeah. that was a really nice... And like a lot of superhero movies, I sort of sometimes I get a little, I, I I'm I feel like the the writers will sometimes force references or something in there to uh, you know to make sure that just just little winks and asides and sometimes I don't think that's necessary and there are a couple of those in Iron Man. Although you I mean guess, as far as like. Comic book aside, so well, like the like the one where um, Rhodey looks at the uh, other the silver Iron Man suit and he's like, "Oh, maybe next time," you know. And that, oh, that was, was another. Cool. Yeah, see, yeah, I, I like that. that I actually like that one. That one works within the whole within the whole thing because if you don't, even if you don't know what he's talking about, it doesn't seem like a forced in little reference. And now I wish I could think of the specific thing that that made me jot that down as a note <laughs> I probably should have written that down too but uh, I remember I remember Scott you had some issues also with the the character of Rhodey or at least the actor the yeah I'm glad they cast it though I, I hear that the recast might not be any better for my specific complaint but I just thought he had kind of a I don't know I don't want to be rude or, or, or politically incorrect but he had just kind of a girly voice I thought you know kind of like a Michael Jackson thing he was going more on. Cuba he was, good he was more Cuba good yeah. junior than Samuel yeah. L. Jackson and but, you couldn't have yeah. Samuel L. Jackson play him because he's you know Nick Fury right so. well, I mean maybe it's just my own preconceptions getting in the way which so often does with movies and things like this but my idea of of James Rhodes would be more of say Billy D. Williams from Nighthawks you know just more of a more of a pimp, you know, more of a... <laughs> a little more you know, kick-ass. Yeah, a little more kick-ass, a little more shaft, a little, you know, a little more 70s, I don't know. Well, I mean, that was when he, you were reading the comics, too. So. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, you read him in, in that, you know, of the era of, say, uh, uh, the Demon in a Bottle storyline or something like that. He He's much more that kind of a character. He He's much more of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say black exploitation, but that was the era. Right. And so you know he he was much more of that suave action hero kind of thing. Whereas yeah. this guy was, he's I, more I don't know, worrying about Tony Stark more than yeah. He's he, more he sort was of more, worrying about him and trying to sort of cover his ass a little bit. But he almost felt like a sidekick or something. Yeah. I just I don't know. I, I didn't. It wasn't so much the portrayal so much really as the as the actor. I just didn't think he he felt like the roadie I knew from the comics, but you know, maybe they'll work that out. Maybe that was just one of those small little nitpicks, but uh, you know, it was, it was a minor thing I really. Th I thought, what's her name? Gwyneth, what is it? Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. She, yeah. I yeah. She, she was, she was perfect in the, in the role. I thought, I thought the dialogue between the two of them was really well written. Yeah. I was initially worried 
about Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper, but I thought that she pulled it off in the movie. And I love the uh, scene with that one reporter chick in the beginning of it. <laughs> but she just totally trash. owned her. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. And I liked how they didn't uh, shove in, like, they had hints of romance, but they didn't, like, have them get together or anything like that by the end of the movie, which I liked. Yeah, me too. Well, I, I have a fe- I have a theory that that she's got something. She's got a little bit of uh, an attraction working with the guy from Shield. Well, yeah, that's an interesting it. take. Well, yeah, I, I did. I, I, he introduces himself to her, and then he's sort of there at the perfect time to get her away from Obadiah when she's stealing the information from his. And then there, and then when he's leaving at one point, when he's leaving. And they both make a point to it. There's a little awkward moment where they sort of exchange information, and you can tell you can tell it might be a little setup for some future, uh, some future Iron Man or maybe Avengers or is there going to be a uh, Nick Fury movie? I don't think so. But he in the if they're going, it seems like they're going with more of an ultimate feel for the Avengers thing. So he more than likely will be front and center in the, um, the Avengers. Avengers movie as as the overall yeah. commander or whatever you know the 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 guy that's in charge of the team kind of thing. Maybe not the field commander, but the overall boss of the team. That that was kind of the function he served in the in the book, depending on how you know what continuity they decide to go with. Did, did anybody catch the Shield agent's name? Because I was wondering if he was playing an actual comic book. Shield character, or if he I was just remember. a generic, I didn't catch it. Did no. you? No, because no. I, I kind of thought it. maybe he was supposed to be. I think there was a guy named Jasper back in like the Gene Cullen issues of Iron Man. I thought that might be who he was supposed to be, but I I, I didn't catch his name if he gave it. I, I uh, like I like that aspect. They were sort of they they sort of reminded me of the Men in Black. You know, it was sort oh, of yeah. a very Men in Black, kind of goofy, but they really had their shit together. Now, I wanted to ask our um, our resident soundtrack expert here, um, Mark, what did you think of the score? And are you familiar with this guy from anything else? Because I don't recognize his name at all, and I don't even know how you pronounce it. I think it's uh, Raymond Jwadi. Jwadi, yeah. I remember correctly. Do you know him from anything and, else? Um, you know, um, I couldn't name anything off the top of my head that he's done, um, but I think... I think I think he's from South Africa. Oh, okay. And he might even be part of he might even be part of Hans Zimmer's camp oh, nowadays okay. too. That would explain my feeling of this is the kind of soundtrack that bugs me just a little bit as far as it works very well within the movie, but then you take it out of the movie and try to listen to it as like a, just a standalone album, and it's just kind of like meh. You know, it's just kind of yeah, exactly. It doesn't. It's not. You know, like you take something like John Williams, and John Williams is very thematic. You can take it as its own album and listen to it, and it's and it's awesome. Whereas, I see more and more a trend these days, and it seems to be people coming out of this camp that Mark is talking about. That kind of, you know, their 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 soundtracks work well enough within the context of the movie, but then you try to listen to it as a standalone album, and it's just not terribly impressive. And that's kind of how I feel about this particular soundtrack. What what do you think, Mark? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I was listening to the soundtrack and the other day, and I totally agree. In fact, I'm opening up IMDb right now to see what else he's done. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it definitely isn't necessarily a great standalone score, that's for sure. And, you know, superhero movies usually have great scores. They, and, yeah, uh, this, this one, one did, 
did this even have a discernible theme? Because no. that was one. Yeah, that was very noticeable to me. That you know, you walk out of something like Superman and you go on dun da da, or you know, any other superhero movie usually has a very distinct superhero theme. And I didn't. You know what catch... I think it was? Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, and yeah I don't you're think right. They, I don't. I think they waited till the very end to. to <clears throat> I think that was you know like. I, I thought it was a cool moment in the movie. I really liked. It was it was it was very Kirk like. You know, you had a close up of his face, and he just had that momentary decision. <laughs> and I am Iron Man, which is the beat, and then they go right into the song with Ozzy's voice stripped away. I thought that worked really well, but it's kind of a cop out. <laughs> Some money for Ozzy Osbourne for Black. The guys in Black Sabbath. Frankly, I was surprised they waited that long into the movie to do it because yeah. if you watch the original trailer, they did it when he first appeared in the clunky silver armor. Yeah, you know, in that even, ca- in cave sequence. Even if they just used, and you know, uh, if I were doing the sound, I wouldn't even use the uh, you know down now 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 to some butthead it. But I would use the just intro to <laughs> that you know, I'm song. Looking at, that's just sort of a guitar. Go ahead, Mark. Going. I'm looking at him um, on IMDb, and uh, he uh, he did the television show Prison Break, and um, he is from Hans Zimmer's camp, and uh, he's from Germany. Uh, about the theme, yeah. First time we have a superhero movie that should like practically have a built-in theme, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah practically, a song that practically everyone everyone knows. And yeah, I was surprised they didn't use it more often during the movie. Hell, I would have been happy with if they had reworked the old, uh, the, the 60s the Marvel cartoon one, you know? Because that's actually on the soundtrack as a bonus track. Isn't that a roadie Well, isn't it, isn't it his, um, Song from the from his phone, his cell phone plays the theme song. I think that's no, no. I, I thought it was the nineties. At the yeah, the nineties one I think was the cell phone, but the sixties one was at the awards show in the very beginning oh, of the shit, movie. Right. The orchestra. You're right. You're really? absolutely right. Yeah, when he's at the craps table. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. You're right. Out about that. Yeah, I I didn't know this at the time. I'm trying to sound like a like I'm a know it all, but I, I didn't catch it at the time. I actually saw this posted or read it somewhere that when his cell phone rings at one point the theme that's on his cell phone is the iron man theme from the 90s animated series yep if anybody remembers that show it didn't last very long (laughs) yeah i love the 90s series it was great i love the uh, the second season in particular when he had the uh force works going on tony was also rocking the uh mullet Mullet. in the second season (laughs) yeah it was the nineties, man. Everyone had the mullet. <laughs> See, Iron Man, I think the, the especially this live action series, I think totally lends itself to something I've really been wanting to see in a superhero movie, which is I would like to see an opener or maybe like you know how James Bond movies a lot of times they'll have like a, a little open actioner to the movie as a as like almost like a precursor yeah, to like, the actual like story. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana Jones does the same thing. I would like to see a superhero movie that starts with him fighting, say, one or two or maybe even more lower tiered, you know, kind of unknown bad guys before getting into your major story. I'm surprised Spider-Man hasn't done this or, you know, one of the other superhero movies. Iron Man, I think, totally lends itself to that because he's got so many Z-list villains that people just don't know, like uh, Blizzard and the Ghost and so many of these other guys. I'd like to see an opener to, like, Iron Man 2 where he fights several of these guys before you go into whoever, you know, the Mandarin or whoever his major guy is. Just... Just so that you create more, and you would think that they'd want to do that 
if nothing else, just to sell more toys and shit. You yeah. know, I mean, why didn't Spider-Man well, keep it three a bit, open could... with him writing like the Shocker or somebody yeah, yeah. that he could knock out in the first five minutes of the movie, and then yeah. you get into your main story? And all the fans. Well, three would have been more villains than they already had. Yeah, yeah right, that's true. So. <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, and they keep keep it a big secret, so everybody's waiting to see if their favorite lower tier villain's going to show up. You know, and so you'd have a big reveal for all of them right in the first ten minutes. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I'd love to yeah, see it should be something like simple, like like the superhero, like totally pawning the the villain, like a couple of seconds, but you know, just as a yeah. into the fans, you know, it would the, just the, be the, the character was in the movie. It would just be the polishing off phase of whatever was happening. You would just catch it towards the end when he was maybe on the rocks and he rallies and wipes him out. Ten minutes had gone yeah. by. Roll the credits. Yeah, I was going to ask everybody um, what they think. Do you think in the uh, next movie? That are gonna, it'll become an element where they address Tony Stark's alcoholism because they didn't really show him starting any alcoholic traits or anything. You know, he was drinking in this one, but they didn't really like give any hints towards it going into the self-destructive alcoholic direction. But do you think that might show up? They said they were playing around with introducing it or not because they don't know if they want to take it in that dark of a direction yet. Right. With the second movie? I'm going to throw it out there saying, Jesus, I hope not. I really hope not because, to me, and I I realize that, you know, as as we're all comic book people, so to us, this is all old news. And to, you know, the movie, the general movie-going audience that didn't know Iron Man before this movie, that it's all going to be new stuff to them. So maybe they would find it interesting or what. To me, it's just, frankly, I'm tired of Iron Man being identified just by this one thing. And, I mean, that seems to be the, the albatross around his neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's the equivalent of Superman with kryptonite. You know, Tony Stark's thing is that he's an alcoholic. Okay, you know, I, I got it. I don't need it beat into me constantly. And it, it, there's been so many references back to this in the comics. And every time you see him joked about in, like, Wizard or Toy Fair, it's always... You know, that he's a raving drunk and all that. And it was funny for a while, but now it's just gotten kind of tired. So, uh-huh. I, frankly, I hope they stay well clear of that storyline. Well, I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, but you definitely see, like, a lot of hints of uh, Tony, like, boozing a lot, you know, like, especially on the plane. and Oh, yeah, he's when, partying. Uh, whenever he's, like, in social situations. That should know it's out of party. Even in a missile demonstration, he has, like, a... Like a portable bridge filled up. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> That's right. There was a cut scene on on the uh, DVD that I've got where um, he's in the armor and it looks like he's drunk or or had had a bit to drink. I don't know if anybody else saw that scene. No. Is that the one with Pepper? Like he yeah. walks walks in on him. And he's yeah. Yeah, I seen that one. That was a, that was weird. Like like out of context. Like yeah, I, I couldn't know. tell where that was supposed to happen in the movie. Where that was cut from exactly. Oh, well, the, the, quite often there could have been a whole story, like a bit of story arc to that, that they film more scenes to, or maybe even decided to drop it before they even finished filming it off. So it could have been in a whole, you know, the context of it might not even fall in the movie. It might have been in a whole different little story arc than, than before, you know, because they always... And, and, and this movie was pretty long for a superhero movie, you know, it was it was. Well, it was close to two hours long. I've got a question for the group. Um, I like to think of myself as a very observant moviegoer. I really pay attention to background things and, and look for little things and Easter eggs and all that. I totally missed Cap's shield. Did anybody else catch it the first go-around in the movie theater? No. No, nope. I missed it. Yeah, yeah but uh, because I was expecting it, uh, someone on the forum posted that it was going to be there. So 
I was uh, kind of waiting for it. I, I thought that was. I mean, I've seen it now that I've seen the movie again on DVD. But yeah, I, I totally missed it the first go. And I think that is neat. That you know, as a little Easter egg. I, I wish I had seen it in the theater. I would have been geeking out even more than I already was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Well, I only caught it like when I saw it on a DVD. That actually, I never even caught it in the theater when I first saw it. So I was like, wow. And because they actually they talked about it also in the Comic Geek Speak. I think. Uh, Tom Martinick, who does the special effects for ILM. Yeah. Yeah, he mentioned it. I was like, oh, man, I totally forgot. I didn't even like, see it the first time, so I, just, I was looking for it the second time I saw it, so <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> Final thoughts, and what did, what did everybody think of the, uh, the Nick Fury tag scene at the end? That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I thought it worked great, and and, and, and actually, when you see Nick Fury, I had to see it on YouTube because when I went to the theater to see it, I didn't know there was like the scene in the end. So oh, after you left. the credits were like halfway through, I left. Yeah. Oh, that's harsh. See, I, I, I almost always stay to the end. The only movie I can think of in recent history where I where I left and I kicked myself later was uh, X Men Three. I really didn't expect there to be anything, and of course, there's that tag at the end of that one too. But yeah, any other time, I always stay to the end just just on that hopes that there might be something there. And I was man, I was geeking out so big time when they had that Nick Fury scene. Well, I, I, uh, have you seen that, Mark? You know what we're talking about? Oh yeah, absolutely. Of course, I stayed for the end credits because I got to listen to the music. Yeah. <laughs> now, do, do you know? Did you know about that with Nick Fury and all that? I don't know any of the history behind it, but I mean, I figured it was setting up for the second movie. Cool. Yeah, it's setting up for uh, for an. But adventure. I read somewhere that um, was it Samuel L. Jackson that was doing it. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yes. That he uh, he's done the voice in some other show or something like that. So, well, but he used, hasn't been signed on. They used his image as Nick Fury in a comic book called the uh, The Ultimates, which was like a, a like a alternate take on the Avengers. So then, you know, he was so jazzed about that. He's a big comic book guy in real life that, you know, when the opportunity came up to actually play the part, you know, he, he jumped oh, yeah. on it. So it's like it's like him giving a nod to something that was a nod to him originally. So it's you know, it's all circular and it's kind of a I, I really joke like within him. A joke. Samuel Jackson oh, is yeah. great because he's a kick-ass action hero. He's a super nerd. I mean, he begged George Lucas to be involved with Star Wars, and once he got his sunk his fangs into Star Wars, he was just like not letting go. So when he's doing the Clone Wars stuff, you're going to hear Samuel Jackson's voice because he's gonna. He's like me. He would take every opportunity to be in. Star Wars, and he like goes. Well, and out didn't of his he do way. Unbreakable too, which is about comic books? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. That's such an underrated movie. Yeah. I well, thought it was really good. Great. I heard not long ago that they actually might be going forward with doing at least one sequel to that. Which originally I think it was supposed to be a trilogy, and it didn't do as well as as they expected it to do. But I, I have heard that they may go ahead and greenlight at least one sequel to that, which would be nice. But- Unbreakable? Yeah. Well, judging by his cool. last few movies, he needs to figure out something because, boy, the last one sucked hard. Oh, I hated it. Oh, see, I liked the last one. I liked it much better than I liked Lady in the Water or The Village. I didn't see I didn't see either of those because by the time The Village came out, I saw this documentary that he did that was sort of a mockumentary, and it just totally, I said, something about this guy, he's just believed all his hype and... I don't trust him anymore as a filmmaker, <laughs> and I, and I didn't see either of those two movies. And then I saw the happening, and the whole theme, like the, half the movie was like, "Run, run away from the wind," and then 
there were. Well, don't spoil it because I haven't seen it well, yet. So don't I'll, spoil all it. All I gotta say is this, and this is not really a spoiler, but I'm gonna describe a scene in it that totally. What made me angry about this movie is I think he he's his um, numbers have been going down steadily. So this one was like promoted as his R-rated movie. So there were some scenes, pretty intense scenes. Some of them were really creepy. In the beginning of the movie, it was pretty creepy. It wasn't a horrible movie, but the flaws in it just sort of sort of ruined it for me. And there were some nice elements to it, but boy, there was the scene that that just when I got over it immediately was. Uh, Somebody was filming when everything's going wrong. Somebody was filming someone who had walked into a lion's cage, and all the gory scenes were sort of telegraphed as here comes a gory scene. Look, it's R rated. You know, here comes some gore. I'm doing the gore now. And this one had, you know, it was like a cinema verite off somebody's camera phone. And the guy's like waving his hands, trying to get the lion's attention. And the lion's bite into his arm and pull his arms off at the elbow while the guy's just standing there and they sort of walk up to him and pluck his arms off at the elbow as if they were like lollipops off the lollipop tree and you just you just don't pull like a human arm's probably coming out of the shoulder blade after a lot of ripping and tearing and brutality you don't just walk up and they'll go plunk as an animal and go clunk clunk somebody offers out there's some counter force it was just really and then, and then Monty Python style, he holds up his spraying stumps, and that—that's that's what I was envisioning too. Was was Monty, something from Monty Python? <laughs> well, you said that you said about the run away from the wind, and it got me to thinking. You know, I had Taco Bell for lunch today, so I had a total <laughs> run away from the wind incident here at the have house. You guys, today. Uh, have you guys seen that uh, South Park episode that was like uh, based on the movie The Day After Tomorrow with global warming? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's how kind of how the happening felt like at moments with it. Uh, global warming, something that that's kind of how the happening felt for 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 a bunch of scenes. For yes. There were, there, we are off on a tangent big time. <laughs> so Iron Man. Yes. So uh, final thoughts. We need to we need to move on to our next one. Uh, well, well, round table it one more time, and what what does everybody got as a as a closing thought on Iron Man? We'll um, I I thought it was great. Um, the thing is, like, you could tell at the end that they kind of, I don't know, they, they might have run out of budget, like, money, because you could tell that the, the Stain and Iron Man fight was kind of uh, not as good as everyone hoped. But it was, it was still good. I mean, um, I loved everything. I mean, even the armor and, it, and the sounds that, that come out of it. Like, I was wondering how they're going to handle that. Like, it's like, kind of like Robocop when he just uh, uh, starts walking, you hear, like, the, the thuds the, and stuff. The pneumatics. And that was really <laughs> well done. Yeah, that was awesome, especially when uh, he fires up the repulsors like in the desert. It had just a really badass look, sounded like sound. I was like, oh, that's that's great. And uh, the 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 heads up display was was great. There are three songs that I thought were pretty good from the soundtrack that you can listen to them by themselves by the same uh, composer, which is uh, Raymond Jawadi, was it? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, one is Merchant of Death, which is uh, I think it's kind of a, a Tony Stark kind of song. Uh, the second one is Mark II, which I, I think it's. The closest thing to a theme as you can find, uh, aside from the Ozzy song, and then there's the Ironmonger song, which plays uh, during the the Stain fight, which is really good. Uh, those t- those three songs in particular, I-, I actually downloaded and I found them to be really good. Overall, it, it was a fun fun movie. I, I it kind of falls apart at the end a little bit, but still, you know, I thought, probably give it a nine out of ten. Actually, good stuff. Awesome, Juan. Yeah, same here. Probably give it a nine out of ten. And two things: I want uh, Iron Man two, and I want that jet. 
now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward forward to the second one. Spider Chris. Yeah, I probably would give it a nine out of ten too. It was just a really fun superhero movie and just a blast to watch. And one other thing I wanted to mention was the ending, not the Samuel Jackson ending, but the ending to itself where Tony revealed that he was Iron Man totally surprised me. Yeah, me, me as well, yeah. I saw. Well, I did like how he kind of joked about him being a bodyguard. Yes. I, I, saw, I saw it coming, That's great. but I saw it coming literally like one and a half seconds before he said it. Because it was very Kirk-like, you know. You could see it come across his face, and, and you could see him. You know, they've given him his cards to read off of, and you can see him just. And it's a Tony Stark moment. He's a maverick, a rogue. And, and he was also totally doing it in the face of the reporter right. from earlier who was there. Right, right. Oh yeah, Mark. Yeah. What, what do you think? Closing closing thoughts on Iron Man. You know, I enjoyed it, and I will definitely want to see Iron Man 2. Um, i probably give it like a 7 out of 10, because, uh, again, I think the ending kind of took it down for me. But I also agree with what you said, Scott. I think that actually sums it up really well, is that I really enjoyed the movie, but I don't have any desire to buy the DVD or, um, or really see it uh, again. But hopefully the second one will, will be even that much better. Cool. I agree. Oh, one more thing. Uh, if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, Tony Stark wears a lot of uh, mascara, you know. <laughs> or, or or eyeshadow like you you can kind of tell in some scenes he's wearing like like a dark area around his eyes. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed yet. I think that. that's because Robert. It's Downey, not like I was wearing a homage or something. No, no. I I'm saying <laughs> I, I I from a purely pragmatic point of view, I think Robert Downey Jr. They were trying to shave some years off him because he might be he might be the same age yeah. pretty much as Tony Stark was, but he's put some mileage on himself. So they were probably yeah. I was just gonna say he's got the mileage. So that's for sure to make him look younger and more more vibrant than he actually is. Because he's he's pretty he's pretty beat up, and it worked to his advantage for when he would get beat up. So you could like when he was in Iraq, you could you know they could probably that's take true. a few layers of makeup off and get him sweating and. Uh, <laughs> withhold some drugs from him and, and have him start sweating and quivering and method acting. for real. I'm going to side with Mark, and I, I will say that uh, Mark, Mark's got some balls to give it 7 out of 10, because I was originally, that was my score originally, too. It would be That's about a, a 7, 7.5 out of 10. And I thought, I was, I was actually rethought it and thought I would give it more just because I thought that you guys would jump on me and go, oh, that's too low or whatever. But no, I honestly, I, I would say probably seven and a half because, again, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I really liked it, but it, it had some flaws and maybe it's unfair, but it's just one of those things where I don't think it has as as high a rewatchability as, as other superhero flicks. So I, I, think it's a, I think it's a perfect setup to sequels, which was ultimately I think that was its job, was to kick off a new Marvel movie franchise and in that aspect, it more than did its job. I'm I'm, exactly. I'm with you in that exact is, is I, I give it a higher rating I'd, I'd probably put it in like the 8.5 to 9 and despite like the, the any flaws I perceived in it, for what it was which was introducing a franchise and doing it in an entertaining way it, it did the job you know i was i was completely into the movie from beginning to end even the parts that i didn't like i was still with it because i was with robert downey jr from beginning to end i like to see his his character is great in action he's a good dynamic 
interesting, charismatic character. It's it's similar to it's similar to Indiana yeah. Jones in a lot of ways. I wa- I'd watch Indiana Jones reading a phone book, sitting in his house reading a <laughs> phone book. Be interesting to me. All right, so uh, we'll wrap up this segment and come back to our next segment, which is uh, the Incredible Hulk, another Marvel awesome movie spectacular. And we'll be back with our panel of experts. And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when Earth's mightiest heroes and heroines found themselves united against a common threat. On that day, the Avengers were born to fight the foes no single superhero could withstand. Through the years, their roster has prospered, changing many times but their glory has never been denied. Heed the call then, for now, the Avengers Assemble! The Avengers Assemble podcast, available now at avengersassemblepodcast.libsyn.com Duck to banner, belted by gamma rays, turns into the Hulk. Ain't he unglamorous? Reckon the town with the power of a bull. back and uh now we're moving on to the incredible hulk which came out right about the same time as iron man a little after iron man and same with the dvds mark what did you think of the hulk now the hulk i actually really liked i was really impressed much better than the first i uh i thought that um edward norton which i didn't think at first was going to be a good choice but i thought he did the part really well um i thought the story was great i thought it had some good humor uh, so I really, I really liked it. How about you, Mr. Sanchez? Oh, oh I'm on. Oh, I'm sorry. You, uh, oh, you're <laughs> on. Just kidding. You're on, baby. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, this one I didn't like as much as uh, the whole eyes uh, Iron Man, but uh, I still, you know, pretty much enjoyed it. I liked all the special effects and the acting, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a good deal. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to give uh, ratings yet, but yeah, yeah, good stuff. How about you, Chris Johnson, Spider Chris? Actually, if it's all right, I'd like to go after Scott because I think we're going to have okay. opposing opinions on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. How about how about Juan Castro? What did you think of? Uh, yeah, I I like this one a hell of a lot better than the Ang Lee one. I mean, I uh, really liked it. Uh, felt. I really like how they got the the origin out of the way, you know, with like the the beginning sequence and that kind of stuff. Uh, yes. Special effects weren't up as weren't up to the level as the last one, but it, they were really good. So yeah, I, overall, I, I really really enjoyed the movie. All right, Scott Gardner. Uh, I'm really curious what Chris is gonna, Chris Johnson's going to say now. Um, <laughs> liking this setup here. Yeah, I, I'm nervous about this setup. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I just got to say, this was my superhero movie. This was the kind of superhero movie I like best. One of the things, and Juan hit on this, I think one of the things that definitely worked for this movie was they didn't dick around with an origin. You know, not only had there recently been a, a Hulk movie, which nicely does not necessarily contradict this one, 
they're not direct sequels, but at the same rate, it doesn't necessarily just outright dismiss and reboot the whole thing either. I mean, they actually almost somewhat complement each other. I, I really liked this one. I've been racking my brains for the longest time to try to nail down what it was I really liked about it, and I can't quite pinpoint it, but this movie just worked for me on so many levels. It's just the kind of superhero movie I, I, I really want. We can get more into specifics later, but yeah, I, I, I like this one. This this was my uh, this was my movie of the year. All right, Chris Johnson, you're up. Uh, on a complete flip side to Scott, this was my least favorite superhero movie of the oh. year. Um, <laughs> it bored me to tears, quite frankly. Oh. Um, I thought that Liv Tyler was absolutely awful. And she completely, she completely took me out of the movie. And on most movies, I'm able to sit in the theater and watch it and be able to fully get into the story. But Liv Tyler took me right out of the movie. And as opposed to, you know, other movies like Iron Man or, you know, Dark Knight, I had to, you know, I, of course, you know, was rocking the soda and the popcorn. And I had to take a major piss in Dark Knight, but I t- didn't move out of my seat the whole anywhere. two hours, 30 minutes of that thing. But Incredible Hulk, you know, I wasn't into it. It at all, so I had no problems with going to the bathroom and coming back. And at the end of the Iron Man movie, I was totally stoked. I wanted to read as much Iron Man as I could get my hands on when that was over with the Dark Knight. I was just floored at how great it is. And I know you're not the same way on me with that, Scott. But at the end of Iron Man, at the end of the Incredible Hulk, I was just like, okay, it's over. You know, I didn't really feel anything from it. Who invited this guy? <laughs> I know Scott's chomping at the bit, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, throw I'm, in I my tease, two, I tease, I tease. I'm gonna throw in my two cents, and then I'll let, I'll let you, because uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know your teeth are grinding together right now. The senator from Georgia but, rebut. <laughs> I, oh, go ahead. I really, I'm thinking, uh, just before we get into it, Christmas uh, for the Liv Tyler. I uh, was checking out the deleted scenes, and one of the funny things is that once you check out the deleted scenes, like 90% of them are the scenes where Liv Tyler's like the main character of the scene. <laughs> it was just so bad. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if she was high during the, the, the filming of the movie or, or, or something. They were just... Phoning it in does not uh, begin to describe her performance in this movie. But yeah, I can see how you can say that it was the least favorite of all of the movies. Because, I mean, Iron Man, Dark Knight, but yeah, I'd still put it... And Hellboy 2. I haven't seen well, that yeah. yet. I'm looking I, I probably like this one more than Hellboy, Hellboy 2. Again. I really liked it. Like, Liv Taylor's performance, I didn't really think either way of it. It definitely was kind of phoned in. There were a couple, like, nice moments, but they were more like a nice moment from a different movie <laughs> than the, really in the yeah. Hulk, but... As, as Lord of the Rings. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I actually like this movie better than Iron Man just on a pure cinematic level. I thought it worked as a well-put-together... Like, Iron Man was a well-put-together comic book movie, and this was a well-put-together comic book movie. But this just had an extra layer of uh, stuff going on in it. Like, every single frame of this movie... Every second that you're watching this movie, you can find a nice big patch of green in it. There's there's green everywhere, you know. They make sure, you know, the uh, guarana drink that Stan Lee drinks is green. There, the, the end scene with the general in the bar, he's drinking some dr- green drink, or it's backlit, so it's green. But there's green everywhere, and it's usually the Hulk green. And uh, I thought when I saw some when I saw some of the previews 
of it that uh the hulk looked kind of cg and that i wouldn't like it but uh i thought he i thought it worked great and uh there were a few the the scene with the sonic cannons was awesome i really enjoyed it i thought edward norton generally added a really really good level of it i hear he's uh Whenever he gets in a movie, I hear that's why he's not in a lot of movies, because directors hate him, because he really pokes his nose into it a lot. And I think, he, didn't he write this movie? He wrote the screenplay, didn't he? I believe, to this movie. He did, a, like, a second draft of those. Right. Like, we wrote some parts of it, yeah. So, he, so, so he's, he's infamous for sort of grabbing onto stuff, but I think he seems to have a good instinct. So I think, like, the movies usually benefit from and usually movies that he's in are are pretty good so i think they benefit from that and i think this movie benefited from that it had i, I thought the the beginning the first 20 minutes to a half hour of this movie were almost a tribute to the tv show you know the opening credits sort of sum up the the story of it and uh i mean when he's sitting strapped in that chair with the green x on his forehead he looks exactly like bill bixby he sort they've they've sort of lit him and made him up to be very similar to the the beginning of that and it follows the formula of the Hulk TV show of David Banner or you know or Bruce Banner in this case is stop you somewhere. Right. Let me stop you there. Did did anybody else listen to the uh, the commentary that that's on the DVD? No, not yet. I've not Okay. Um, I'll just give a shout out. I mean, there's a million of them out there, but the one I use is called Zillasoft. It's a DVD audio ripper. I found that the best way to listen to commentaries for me is I rip them to MP3s and then listen to them like at work or in the car or something. You know, just like you'd listen to like a podcast or something. Because you don't necessarily have to be in front of the movie to listen to, it. and I find that very distracting. Because nine times out of yeah. ten, I'm watching the movie and I'm not paying attention to what they're telling me because I'm watching the movie. So I find that listening to the commentary separate from the DVD is actually a lot better. I liked this commentary; it was one of the more interesting ones because I've listened to a lot of DVD commentaries. Some of them are a complete waste of your time, and then other ones are very insightful. This one didn't necessarily give me a lot of insight and a lot of, you know, behind the scenes or whatever, but it was a lot of fun to listen to. The reason I mentioned it is, you know, Chris is talking about all this stuff with the TV show. All that shit was intentional. This guy, the director of that movie, yeah. loved the TV show and wanted to homage it as much as he possibly could. So that that's why, you know, that's why there's so much TV show reference in there. You know, he definitely wanted to, to get those plugs in. Oh yeah, they they ape the formula of the TV show at the beginning. He's in a he's in a strange place. He's working a job and trying to fix himself and uh there's even a girl in trouble. He comes to her aid and then he gets beat up and turns into the Hulk and then the obligatory hitchhiking with the sad music mm -hmm. playing in the background, but I think I think it follows that pattern of the show right in the beginning. So the beginning part of the movie is pretty much an homage to the the TV show, and then it gets into the the main story. Uh, well, I was just wondering if any any of you guys uh, see the uh, opening, uh, the alternate opening where he's like in the snow and he's like suicidal or something. No, I I've been wanting to see that. Me too. Did you see Where's it? Once? Yeah, I saw it. How was it? It, it was great. I mean, I can see where they took it out because it was kind of a, a depressing scene, but it was it was really cool. And I, and yeah, you know, I tried to make out the like the Captain America under the ice. I could see his shield, but uh, you can barely barely make it. It's kind of like a spot in the ground. You can only see it if you're looking for it. You know. 
No, the commentary does reference that scene being cut. They don't talk about Captain America at all, but they do reference that scene. And he said that the reason that they decided to cut it was because, for one thing, they thought it was too dark, you know, with somebody trying to, to commit suicide right at the beginning of the movie. But also, they, uh, for some reason, they just didn't think that it worked and that they thought that what they were trying to accomplish with that scene it, is basically accomplished later on in the movie. So they, they decided to cut it. But yeah, I would be very curious to see if, for nothing else, is the soundtrack follows the movie right in movie order, which is kind of rare for movie soundtracks, and it starts out with that scene that's actually cut from the movie. So oh, I'd wow. like to see it, if nothing else, to put the music in some sort of context. Oh, cool. But uh, I, I got to rebut you guys, or at least rebut Chris Johnson on a couple things. Um, for one thing, man, I, I'm so shocked you guys don't like <laughs> Liv Tyler. I mean... She's, oh, you you got to be kidding me, dude. Come she, on. I mean, all right. Now, I'm not necessarily referring to her acting, but she's drop-dead gorgeous, man. How can you not just... I mean, not I arguing like, there. <laughs> not I mean, arguing there, but yeah. And I saw her in Lord of the Rings and was like, I, I've been in love ever since. So, I don't know. I mean, and, and I got to admit, now, as much as I, I used to really have the hots for Jennifer Connelly... She is way head and shoulders above Jennifer Connelly as as uh, as Betty in this movie than than. No she, way. Yeah, she is. I, I, no I, I got to disagree. I got to disagree as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, for some reason, I like Jennifer more uh, because she had she. Uh, I don't know. She had more weight with the role. Like she. She could actually weight. act. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too, but. Like uh, I like uh, Jennifer. Um, what's her name? Uh, I, I I blanked I blanked no the other one uh, Liv Tyler yeah I like okay. Liv but uh, uh, I don't know I just thought Jennifer Connelly did a better job and she felt like a deeper character and uh, she looked more attractive and I think she did more for the part than Jennifer did uh, enough <laughs> fucking I keep getting it wrong <laughs> than, uh, than, than than Liv did <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean she did uh, uh, whatever I'll move on <laughs> don't don't get me wrong I liked Liv in Lord of the Rings but I just think that she didn't fit in this movie at all and she just completely took me out of it wow every scene she was in wow i'm, I'm shocked i'm just really shocked <laughs> sounds shocked. see i've never i've never forgiven uh jennifer conley for getting her boob reduction either so that's got a lot to do with it i'm, I'm bringing back uh, straight to the movie to begin with it's just wrong man it's just it's you just, you just don't do that well, you're mixing acting, actress appearance with acting ability. That's, yeah, but she's an actress. She's all about what you're how saying, she looks. Well, yeah, you're shallow, man. Yeah, Just that's me. exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. I, let me just say another thing. Uh, what was cool is the um, the cameo of, at the end. Well, should I? Should we talk about that yet, sure. or, or you oh, sure. want something? Else? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Go ahead. Well, the, the Tony Stark cameo was pretty cool, but. The only thing I would have changed was that they should have just left it towards after the credits because you usually kind of expect that after the credits. Yeah. Because it just goes right into the cameo. I heard it yeah. was going to be an after credits, but they were trying to like you know get people people the from the Iron Man movie you know they yeah. really showed it, Had it in the trailers. trailers too. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad move putting it in the, in the trailer. Huh? Yeah, I was really surprised it was in the trailer. That shocked me when I saw it on television. I was like, whoa, really? You know, you just spoiled yeah. the whole Nick Fury type thing. You know, that really did surprise me. 
But yeah. then, you know, but I liked it still. I, I still think it, you know, it's an interesting scene. I think it works. It's an interesting scene. I think Robert Downey Jr. It has that feel of like he just walked in and like on that day to film it and just sort of like exactly. All right, my lines, line, line, line. Okay, okay, let's do it. Okay, all right. See you guys later. Is that good? Okay, bye. You know, it just had that whole sort <laughs> I, of feel yeah. to it. I do wish that he had specifically said either the Avengers or the Avenger Initiative, like. Uh, like Fury did in the well, other one, though. I really wish he had said that. Everybody had just seen, you know, the Nick Fury, the Nick Fury one, you know. Because it's really, I yeah, mean, that's, that's for the, it's, that's put in there for the fans. So if you're a fan and you haven't seen Iron Man already and you're not up on it, it doesn't matter anyway, you know. For the most part, they're assuming that you're up up on everything, you know, that you're paying attention and right on it. Because right. that's the thing with these, these comic book movies is you've got to skate that fine line between appealing to the masses who aren't necessary who are only necessarily familiar with the character through maybe seeing a cartoon a couple times or seeing the the comic book on the stands and the people who are diehard fans and if you cater to the diehard fans there's not enough of them to get you the big box office but you still have to cater to them enough because they're the people who word of mouth it and keep a buzz going about it. So it's well, see, that's something I found to be a ultra strange scenario for me was that all right, you got Iron Man, which is pretty faithful. You know, yes, it's a it's a reimagining, but it's pretty damn faithful to the to the comic book origins of the character. Sticks pretty close to the story. Yet is not aiming at the fans so much as it was aiming at the mass audience, you know, right. and and really going for that mass market appeal. And I didn't like it quite as much. And then you got the Hulk, which is much more going for the TV show feel, not so much the comics. Although there was a lot of comic stuff in there. The TV show, but it's is got mass market though. Oh yeah, but I mean, you, it's that movie was definitely aimed at the fanboys. I mean, there were there were all kinds of Easter eggs. There were all kinds of little winks and nods to the fans. Much more of a fan film, and that movie just spoke right to me. So that that's kind of weird in that in that aspect. You got one that was very faithful. And then the one that was not very faithful, and it was the not very faithful one that well, spoke the, to me. That that well, usually Iron I'm Man, completely I made, opposite. I think Iron Man made more money and definitely got a lot more critical uh, praise showered upon it than uh, than the Hulk. Oh, Although yeah. the Hulk didn't do bad as far as the critics go, because it's 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 a good movie. You know, as as from every from production design to sound design, there's there's that scene where they're just unloading. Both in Iron Man and Hulk, there's two great scenes where people are just unloading machine guns on them point blank, and both of them have good, right. really nice yeah. sound. Of now, Iron Man, it's you know metal on metal. With the Hulk, it's metal on flesh, and that's really crazy. And you can actually see the bullets leaving dings in the yeah. side of his flesh, and him getting visibly pissed off as it happens. It's it's great Hulk moment. <laughs> I would love to see that movie get nominated for a uh, Best Sound Design Oscar because that was one of the big things I noticed mm-hmm. listening to it at home on, on my system. I can tell you who's going to win right now, probably. If if it's going to be somebody in 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 the in the, in that genre, it's going to be Wally. Oh, okay. See, I haven't seen that one yet. Ben Burt. Well, I want to bring in our uh, 
bring back our uh, soundtrack expert here and ask Mark what he thought of the uh, Craig Armstrong score. And what else do we know Craig Armstrong from? Well, he first kind of got notoriety from, um, oh, what was that? That kind of musical, uh, Moulin Rouge. He did the music uh, for Moulin Rouge. Uh, but then he did the, uh, he's done, he's done some, some scores too. Um, and I, I thought that the score for the Hulk was great. I thought it was definitely much better than, uh, Iron Man's score. Um, and I know you're a big fan of it, Scott, because of the way it got released as a soundtrack, as a two disc, all the music from it yes. uh, online. Yes, this owes um, back to my to my rant in our very first episode when I said that this is the way uh, movie soundtracks should be released. Because if they don't release them that way, you know what ends up happening? Somebody just fucking bootlegs it on the internet and then they don't make any money. So this is the way to do it. Put every single piece of music from the movie on the, on the score and release it that way. And that's what they did. And uh, man, I applaud them for it. It's perfect. That's just what I've been begging for. But I thought I thought the score was was well done too. I thought it fit the movie really well. I thought it elevated it to another level. Um, I thought I thought it was done well. Although I, I've heard that um, that they Marvel has decided to not go forward with any more Hulk movies. That was the rumor, and I was going to roundtable that and see what everybody thought. But then I, I heard another one here recently that said that uh, no, they they are actually talking sequels. So. Uh, just on a quick roundtable, what do you guys think? Uh, do you care, or you definitely want one, or you definitely don't want one? What do you What do you all think? Let's start with uh, Let's start with Will. Uh, I'd be down for some sequels. I'd love to see uh, more villains. Uh, I'd love to see maybe the the UFOs. Uh, can you guys hear me? Or was oh that yeah, that? yeah, I hear you. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'd love to see maybe the the UFOs, or maybe uh, who else is another good villain? The leader, definitely, because they set that up for the. For, uh, from the first one, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a good actor. Yeah, he, I remember him from uh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou, um, with George Clooney. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was like, yeah, that was a great movie. And um, yeah, I'd love to see a sequel. Uh, but although it looks like this one is really setting up the the whole Avengers thing, so they could practically do it as uh, done in uh, one and just leave it like that and just continue his story in Avengers. So, but yeah, I'd love to see more sequels. Uh, How about Juan? Spider Chris? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> we'll go Juan first. Yeah, I've Sorry. Heard, yeah, I've heard about that uh, that Avengers thing. That they're gonna continue his story on the on the Avengers movie. I'd, I'd be okay with it. I mean, if they if they do a sequel, I'd probably go see it in the theaters. But yeah, if if they go straight ahead and just keep him on the back burner until until the Avengers movie, I think that that would work too. about Spider-Chris. Spider-Chris. Well, I was underwhelmed by this one, but I usually tend to see all comic book movies, you know, in the theater regardless. So I'd probably still see it, and I'd definitely be interested if they pick up running from their introduction of the leader. Yeah. Myself, I'm personally down as long as... If they can keep making good comic book movies I think they're made for sequels so if they if 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 they're good and they're probably waiting to see how much money this makes on DVD see if it has a second life on DVD who knows it might have if it has a second life in Asia you know <laughs> it might be worth it to make a sequel you know they just might not pump as much money towards it but who knows you know 
I would, I would, well, I would definitely I look forward to a new, another Hulk movie for sure, especially if they kept Ed, Ed Norton. If if they could maintain the, the the quality of this one, I would really be up for more sequels because, like I say, this this just spoke right to my comic book geekness. This this was the movie I've been waiting for as far as comic book movies, but. Uh, I myself didn't catch it the first time around, and I think a lot of other people might not have caught it either, but um, Betty's uh, boyfriend in this movie is actually Leonard Sampson, who was Doc Sampson in the comics. And while I can't see this guy as that that classic Doc Sampson, one of my favorite Hulk fights of all time was one of the John Byrne issues. It was a knockdown, drag out fight between the really pissed off, mindless Hulk and Doc Samson, and they just wailed the shit out of each other. Yeah, I would love to see that on the big screen. Now, again, I I love the actor that was in this movie. I've liked him ever since I, I the first thing I ever saw him in was the remake of Dawn of the Dead. He was the smartass guy. Right, you're right. Hey, oh no, the what? yuppie. Now, I, yeah, exactly. Now, I can't see him as, you know, superhero-style Doc Samson, but if they could if they could work that somehow and make him believable as standing toe-to-toe with the Hulk, um I would I would totally be there for that. I mean, cuz that that issue is fantastic. One of my favorite Hulk fights. Um I know in the game that's based on the movie, I I haven't played it, but I remember looking at the game and uh he fights Double Header, which is one of the sillier Hulk villains. But again, he'd be kind of cool to see on the big screen. Um, I mean, the Hulk really does have some some pretty amazing uh, foes that he could fight. Either you know intellectual ones like the leader, or you know ones that can you know give him a run for his money. You know, as far as powerhouses to go up against, you know, kind of like Abomination style. And yep. the guy, what's his name, Roth, Tim Roth, that played the Abomination, uh-huh. said in the documentary. That or the commentary rather that he would be totally willing to come back for sequels if they asked him. I wouldn't even mind seeing him again, really. If I'd like to see him kind of reimagined a little bit because I, I do miss the classic abomination look. I, I would totally be on board for sequels, and I really hope that they stick to their guns and make the Hulk the enemy in the Avengers movie. I hope he is who the team is uniting to fight. Definitely, well, that would be. So, interesting. What do you guys think about the um, Hulk? Actual like the CG. Uh, I, I thought it looked okay, but sometimes it looked kind of weird. But he, he has a very uh, like Sal Buscema yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. No, for I, sure. I noticed it and loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. That's, at at um, first, I yeah. was sketchy about it, but then as I started to see it in the context of everything else, and sometimes they would have him looking very realistic, or there would be something that like uh, I can't remember what there was. A, there was a shot of him just standing and looking at somebody and there's sort of uh, heat distortion around him and it looked very realistic and documentary-like but there were other times where he was kind of cartoony and at first I didn't like the cartooniness but by the time by the end fight when they're crushing each other's heads into walls and stuff it basically looked not it was a combination of the old comics and the way that they do them now but that's that's sort of how he fights in the comics and it captured that really well right. the way the hulk yeah. fights the way he grabs stuff and tears it up and uses it as yeah. weapons and uh 
you know there's a mind there's a there's a rudimentary mind behind the hulk you know and it's mostly good at figuring out how to fight and smashing things so that was shown very well well in this movie the cgi hulk in this reminded me if nothing else it reminded me a whole hell of a lot of the covers to the old rampaging hulk magazine because the rampaging hulk magazine was a yeah yeah they were painted covers they were beautiful and i used to have i I might still have it somewhere i don't know it was a a poster that i'm pretty sure was a busema poster and it was just a close-up of the hulk's face and he had like his fist held up and he just had this look on his face like I'm about to beat your ass. <laughs> and that poster to me is like the definitive picture of the Hulk at his just most pissed off. And they they nailed it. I mean that that CGI Hulk had that face. Oh, yeah. So to me it was that and was my Hulk. When they would start opening up with him on a machine gun and it would start just peppering one whole side of his body with machine he would just get that look on his face of just growing anger. <laughs> He would just get madder and madder and madder. And and whatever was the source of any moment of something that would piss him off, he would just go at it, you know? He would figure out a way to smash it. Even at the point that was sort of illustrated where he, in the King Kong part, where he takes, I keep wanting to call her Betsy Ross, but he takes (laughs) Betty to the uh, cave. It's raining and he's, you know, he's screaming at at the thunder and lightning. You know, she's just starting mm-hmm. to think, oh, he might be kind of smart. I think, you know, where he says where he says Hulk smash. Now, did anybody else hear at the beginning when he's in the soda factory, did he say, leave me alone? Just leave me alone? Yeah. He, yeah, he, I heard that in the theater, and, I, and my kids didn't. Because I said, oh, did you hear that? And they didn't hear it. But when we watched it again at home... See, I think my local theater doesn't have that good of a sound system, but my you know my home system's pretty good. So you know we we heard it, and they said, "Oh, I heard it that time." So yeah, but I, I did the so. first time, and I thought, "Oh, that's awesome! I really liked that." But I like that he spoke sparingly. You know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. constant Hulk want a Twinkie or whatever. You know, it was you know the, when he when he spoke, it, there was a reason for him yeah. to speak. You know, well, I like that. In the comics, he would often oh. speak his thoughts, so he would be like. What is loud bird in sky driving Hulk's mind insane? Hulk must stop this for you know, and then invariably yeah, smash. I'm glad they didn't go for that. I, I'm yeah. really glad that they didn't go for that. I, I think the Hulk, for me personally, works best in in one of two modes: either in the pretty much mindless mode, which he seemed to be in this, you know, with a few exceptions. But I mean, like the bestial Hulk. Yeah. Or I like him as more of the like the like the Mister Hyde Gray Hulk, you know, where he's actually the smart, evil side of Banner. Yeah. So either one of those works for me really well. But that like retarded three-year-old Hulk just doesn't work for me. It just comes off. <laughs> yeah. Now, how, how great was that thunderclap? Awesome. Yes. Awesome. awesome. My geek out moment in this movie, and, and I love that they threw it in there, and Scotty, my, my oldest boy, totally freaked when, when he did it, was when he grabbed the police car and ripped it in two Yes. And then made like boxing gloves out of it yes. because that is straight out of the ultimate the destruction game. game. And Scotty flipped because he's played all the way through that game, absolutely loves that game. And he said, Oh, that's right out of that game. Well, they even say that on the DVD uh, commentary. The the director admits that yes, we pulled that right out of that game as a, as an homage. So I thought that was awesome because that that was a really cool moment. You know where they where they homage that game and he just beat the hell out of the the uh, abomination with with the pieces of car. I thought that was. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah, that's what I liked about this movie as opposed to the last Hulk movie is this one had a good amount of smash and rip and tear and scream in it where the first one was could have used more of that. Although I, I did like the first, the Ang Lee Hulk, actually. Oh, definitely. I'm one of the... I, I, no, I, I want to hear everybody's favorite moments, and then when it comes to, to Spider-Chris, I want to hear where the movie jumped the shark for him. I want one to go first. <laughs> okay, uh, some of my favorite moments were the, the fight in the in the university. It was definitely uh, yeah. one of my favorite action scenes. Oh, also, yeah. the uh, at the end, where he was just beating the crap out of the abomination. That, that was very well done. As far as... as as some of the other scenes, like non-action, I would have to... Well, actually, I'm kind of getting some mixed up whether they were deleted scenes or if they were an actual movie. There were some scenes with Ed Norton when he was, like, alone in, in Brazil and you saw him, like, trying to research this stuff and you could, like, just see how good of an actor he is and he can transmit, like, this frustration in his face and all that kind yeah. of stuff. That, that, I really like that. He's he's a very good actor. He's he's like an A plus level actor, and that helped the movie a lot. I thought. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but I really did like the part where he goes, "You won't like it when I'm hungry." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also liked the way they worked in the Joe Harnell original theme from the TV show. Yes. Into the movie, that that was really cool. I mean, I I did. I thought that the CGI was much better than it was in the Ang Lee movie. I thought he was a little bit more believable. So I, I liked it, and uh, I, thought, I, thought the, I thought the story was great. I thought Edward Norton did a great job, too. So, Well, I guess I'll be... Uh... <laughs> Alright, uh, I, I loved the end scene. It was, it was really good. You could tell that um, they had a lot of budget for it. I, I personally liked the end battle more than the Iron Man battle. Mostly because it had a lot of uh, like cool things going on, like when Abomination had the, the chain... And he kept like strangling Hulk yeah. with it and just speeding him up. Yeah, that was great. And um, especially those rooftop uh, leaps at towards the end, those were pretty cool too. The special effects, I, I liked, uh, but I kind of liked more the the Ang Lee Hulk because he's more doughy and kind of bulky. Uh, although the color on the Ang Lee Hulk wasn't quite as good. It's a little too bright. But this one had, I mean, this one had just the right amount of color, but it was a little too lean and wasn't quite the Hulk I was I was expecting. But he still moved pretty well. I also agree with the uh, Chris and all you guys with the sonic wave guns. Uh, those that was a pretty cool weapon they used on him and the university. What's interesting is that the like Scott mentioned the uh, Leonard Sampson parts. They, it seems like they cut out a lot of parts because the trailer. Had more uh, a more involved uh, scene with uh, Bannerts, uh, you know, speaking to Leonard, and looked like the therapy session. Yes. Um. We uh, we have to say goodbye to Mark. He, it's uh, it's getting a little late for him. Okay. So, thank you for um, jo- thank you for joining us, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Guys, I had a great time. Thanks for teaching nice. me all about uh, the comic book fandom. Good <laughs> <laughs> time. Oh, cool. Uh, cool, Mark. Yeah. Anytime. We're going to have to get you back on again. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, All right, well, yeah, so I heard someone saying something about Doctor Who. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Cool. We, we still awesome. have that one in the queue. we got to do our Doctor Who episode because we have another uh, another listener that wants to join us for that. So, yeah, we'll have that one in the near future, I promise. All right, good night, guys. Night, Take care, Mark. Good night. See, I think my favorite part of the movie was also that campus battle was just very well done. Mm-hmm. I love those those sonic cannons, just the way they were portrayed, and that there actually are yes. sonic cannons, and they sort of incorporated that into the movie. I'm sure they don't operate like that, but it was really neat. The one thing, although I, I'm, I'm going to mention, the one thing that I thought was that I didn't like about the movie, and it was a writing thing, was at the very end when he was battle- when they dropped him out of the helicopter. I think at that point it was established 
that General Ross was starting to see the errors of his ways in some way and come to some agreement with Banner, some grudging, not as much alliance, but at least understanding of each other, and was also maybe thinking that it was a, wasn't a good idea to keep endangering his daughter. So they drop off Banner, he becomes a Hulk and starts fighting the Abomination. So instead of letting the Hulk do his thing and beat the hell out of this guy, which is how the Hulk eventually wins, they, he has the helicopter pull right up onto the rooftop and just start peppering the Abomination with machine guns, which it's already been established, I'll only piss off these big giant creatures. So you shoot them with a machine gun, and they get pissed off, and they throw something at your helicopter. It's just that's how it works. So what? Why? So he's got his daughter in there, who you know he's been trying. You know he's just had her saved from the jaws of doom, and he could have flown her to safety and like watched it from afar and waited for the Hulk to win. But no, he's got to pull up the helicopter and just start shooting at him with a machine gun, just so that they can be endangered at the end, you know. So that was sort of a story element part, but I can overlook that in the general fun of that. I didn't even notice that in the first first time I watched the movie. That was something I noticed the second time I was thought was a little out of character. But otherwise, I really liked it. So well, it's a tiny little thing and not really so much a Hulk moment as just kind of a movie moment, but I liked when the when the helicopter actually crashed there is an excellent sound moment where the blades hit the ground and actually go flying off in different directions. Uh-huh. And the sound in that part is so awesome that I actually find myself like ducking out of the way. Cause I mean, nice. they, they in surround sound that really works. I mean, they really sound like those blade fragments are, are coming right for your head. And that, I like that. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty amazing sound work. We, we, have, we forgot to mention the super soldier. hints. Oh yeah, yeah. I liked I liked how they worked that in without necessarily coming right out and saying Captain America, but that's right. definitely where they were leaning. Well, I want to I want to hear from Chris because he's he's definitely taken the moment. other angle. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear why why the movie didn't work or where it where it necessarily jumped the shark for for Chris Johnson. Yeah, Chris, where did they nuke the fridge? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. What did he say? I missed it. When did it. they nuke the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, I know I'm not a fan of the movie, but I think I think there were some moments I liked in it. Like I liked the Super Soldier bringing Super Soldier formula in it. I liked how they, you know, subtly introduced the leader into it. That was a really cool thing I thought they did. And I think that one of the reasons I might not have liked it as much as like you, Scott, is because I haven't seen a lot of the Incredible Hulk TV show. I've seen a couple of episodes, but it's not something that I was a huge viewer of. So that might be one of the reasons I wasn't so high on it as well, that, you guys were. That's a fair criticism because oh yeah, it's got. I, I need to go back. To, well, I mean, I need to go back and resolicit his opinion. But my oldest son, the first time we saw it, uh, he he commented that he really wished that they had stuck to the comic books and and more of where the Ang Lee film was going because his only exposure to the the Hulk TV show was maybe one or two episodes that that he'd caught you know over my shoulder while I was watching it you know the some of the DVDs and you know to him and and younger viewers that didn't necessarily grow up and have fond memories of that show 
it, it probably does come off as very 80s cheese, you know. So I, I can definitely see that. You know, if, if that's not your Hulk or if that's not your, your fond memory exposure, then, yeah, I can see where that personification w- might lose you. It might not, you know, have the same resonance for that viewer as the, the, the strict comic book interpretation would. And also, going back to, uh, I also was with Will that I thought the I thought the animation on the Hulk was really good, but I also thought he was too lean. You know, I'm more of a fan of a bulkier Hulk like we saw in the Ang Lee version. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of the Ang Lee version I did like. I just thought that it kind of, in the villain department, it kind of fell flat. Yeah. yeah that was the main weakness of that movie was that I didn't think they... Had a really, you know, they had the dogs, and then they kind of tacked on his father, and that you know, was as the a, villain at the end. And that was a very like abstract villain. You know, they were battling on some cosmic yeah. level in Ang Lee world rather than, you know, a, a knockdown. Dra- <laughs> the, you know, the big CG knockdown drag out part was when the helicopters were chasing him, and that was more of the Hulk running than smashing. But that was a, that was probably my favorite like special effects action sequence from the movie was that part you know with the san francisco part wasn't very memorable i i thought i still liked it i thought that well, movie that, captured the feel of reading a comic book the way well, it's it one filmed. of the reasons I, I like to say that i think these movies complement each other because you know that first one for one thing it solves to get the origin story the hell out of the way again and hopefully for the last time but also i think that first i think the ang lee one is necessary because i think with, with all respect to chris johnson i think they worked out the bugs of what worked and what didn't work and i think despite my being a comic book purist I think that they acknowledged that what people were going to the Ang Lee Hulk to see was the Bill Bixby version. I mean, yeah. I think that's the the one that's more commonly in the the public mind is that's their exposure to the Hulk is the is the Bill Bixby show. And when they went to the theater and they're seeing a great big beefy Hulk that's, you know, leaping miles into the sky right. practically flying I think your average moviegoer, again, familiar with that show, said, what, what the fuck is this? Whereas this version we got with this newer movie is much closer in tone and feel and physics. portrayal of Banner yeah. and the Hulk. And f- physics, exactly. You know, It's much closer to that show. And I think that's why, for the people it worked for, I think that's why it worked. Because, you know, again, they have that fond attachment to that show. And normally that would drive me apeshit crazy. And so it's, it's surprising to me that it actually does work so well on that level. But maybe that's because the Hulk... I remember reading Hulk comics as a kid and as a kid being disappointed that they weren't like the TV show because that was just the era when I discovered the Hulk. I discovered him through the show, read the comics and said, well, this isn't anything like the show. So I didn't really read too much, too much more of them until, you know, much later discovering like burn era and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think for people old enough to remember the show that this, this movie was, was more their Hulk movie. I guess that's why it works for me. I don't know. I, I've been trying and trying to figure it out. It just, it works and I can't really explain. I why. thought it was well written, well acted, well directed, good special effects. There you go. <laughs> You know, I think they just did a good job on it. You know, they didn't half-ass it, and there was some thought put into every aspect of it, and that pays off. Just before I launch into a, another negative, I did like the, <laughs> I did like the whole uh, gag with the purple pants. <laughs> I thought that oh, was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They did with that. Um, but going back to, you know, again, going back to Liv Tyler. I'm sorry, <laughs> but. 
I really believed the romance between Jennifer Connelly and Eric Bana more than I believed the romance between Edward Norton and Liv Tyler, and that's a big part of the movie because in between the Hulk fights, you've got them traveling across the country and you've got their romance, and their romance just didn't, you know, I didn't believe it at all. And that's a big part of most of the movie. And then it, like, it sort of culminated in a bad, like, erectile dysfunction gag where, you know, they're they're starting to to have sex and he's like, oh, no, 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 we can't. And then he's frustrated and she goes, it's okay. He thinks he was cut for something and and using the the Hulk thing as an excuse. It could be. He might not have been attracted to Liv Tyler that much. He doesn't have erectile (laughs) dysfunction. He gets erectile over his whole goddamn body. That's the problem. Exactly. He has erectile overfunction. But, you know, just just the whole scene where he's... he's, uh... It's like Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you if you remain the Hulk for more than five hours, please consult a physician. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I, th- I thought the cinematography was great. Uh, I mean, I think uh, maybe why the fight looked better later on is because the cinematography was so solid all throughout. It just looked everything looked very crisp, you know, even the special effects. It blended nicely into the picture. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. I liked a lot of the shots in uh, City in the in the beginning of the movie with the just long heli- ho- helicopter shots of the slums with the houses piled yeah. right on top of each other were were very nice and that was a great setting. That's a great setting for a chase. You know, it was all just set up for a chase. Definitely. I think my favorite scene was probably when Blonsky goes up to the Hulk and he just smacks him into that tree. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Turns him to jelly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because you don't really think yeah. of the Hulk as really using deadly force but he was definitely using deadly force in that and uh, this one was like (laughs) reminded me a lot of like one of Scott's Batman rants was when the abomination was running a rampage he was just killing people left and right he was just picking up cars people weren't when you saw all those bodies flying those people weren't surviving that come on oh hell no (laughs) you know so he was just ripping through so that was that's that's some pretty uh pretty strong meat there, just smashing cars up. Dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum. Yeah, I didn't oh. notice that when I saw it on the theater. I just noticed it like, a couple of days ago when I saw it on, on, on here at, at, at my home. I was like, did he just kill all those people? Yeah, sure. Just... <laughs> Somebody had to die at the university. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, all those guys, guys standing around the, filming the it on their cell pilot, phones yeah. and not a single stray bullet took out one of those. All those millions of <laughs> rounds they were just peppering out there. Well, you know. <laughs> It's uh, suspension. The well, last thing I also loved was the. It's it's just suspension of disbelief. I guess you got to have that suspension of disbelief that that, that yeah, there true. won't be shrapnel oh. killing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last thing I loved was uh, also when they were about to like face off and they were just uh, running like towards each other, kind of like a Rocky esque moment. Yes. And then, like when they finally like yeah butt heads, you see like kind of a. Uh, what is it? it was like, like a major shockwave? Like yeah, shockwave. That was awesome. Yeah, that that fight, that final fight, I thought was just incredible. I mean, I mean that that was the kind of boss fight payoff that that I really like in in a movie like that. I wish more superhero movies would would do that. I mean, that I would die for a Superman movie to have that kind of knockdown, dragout oh. fight with a with a Superman villain of his power level 
and just a all out special effects bonanza of destruction and I mean cuz you know Superman versus Hulk <laughs> yeah right uh, yeah they did Freddy <laughs> versus Scott, Jason you have to have Lex Luthor as the uh, Scott you have oh. to have Lex Luthor as the villain in every single movie you can't oh. have somebody different that's that's my that's my Batman problem. And the real and the realistic a joke for every other damn movie. That's that's my exact problem with the Superman movies is he doesn't fight anybody but Lex Luthor. It's like come on, you know. But the Joker wasn't in every other damn movie. <laughs> he was too. He was in two. <laughs> yeah, it was too too many. <laughs> that's not counting the animated movies though. I don't know. I'm just I'm not that big of a Joker fan, I guess. But that that's a whole different that's a whole different <laughs> rant that I've already got out of my system. Yeah. So well, we need to take a take a break. Uh, you guys want to hang around and do a little bit of speculating on the the future of the Marvel movies? Yeah, sure. 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 All right. Cool. All right. We'll be right back. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead. And he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. Okay, we're back for the last part of this. Just a, a quick uh, roundtable wrap-up of uh, our hopes, fears, expectations, whatever, for the future Marvel movies. Um, it was just announced recently that uh, Joe Johnston will be the director of uh, First Avenger, Captain America, the, the upcoming Captain America movie. And uh, I know that I am personally very excited about this. Uh, I really like Johnston's work. His uh, Rocketeer was excellent. Um, in my opinion, one of the very best comic bookies. I also did another one of my favorite movies, which was October Sky. That was a fantastic movie that uh, adapted Homer Hickam's novel about uh, you know his young childhood uh, in the the coal you know growing up in a coal mining village and all that. Um, what do you guys think about that news and uh, just general? Uh, what are your hopes and fears and somewhat for the future Marvel movies? Oh well, I dug both of those movies. You mentioned the Rocketeer and October Sky. I thought they were both great. And so I think he'll be able to handle Captain America pretty good. And I also uh, see that he directed the upcoming remake of The Wolfman, which is something I'm interested in because I'm a big fan of the old black and white Universal films. So I'm interested to see how he tackles that. And really, I think the thing I'm most excited about about the Marvel movies coming out is that they're making a real effort to have a continuity among them, at least the ones Marvel's making. And I think that's probably the coolest thing about all the new Marvel movies coming out is that they're making a real effort to have them connected in just 
not be their own thing. Absolutely. I know that's one of the things that appeals to me the most. And uh, I hadn't heard about this Wolfman thing. You got me excited about that because I'm a huge fan of all those old Universal uh, monster movies, the the classic monsters. Juan, what do you uh, what do you think about Joe Johnston on Captain America and just the uh, the other upcoming Marvels in general? Uh, I've seen the I've, from him. I, I haven't seen the October October Sky movie you guys mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have seen The Rocketeer and I really, really liked it. Um, I hope for the Captain America movie will. I really hope they keep it uh, the entire movie on World War II. Uh, from a visual standpoint, I mean, I would really like them to do something a little different. Not not like black and white or something, but maybe what they did with uh, the Flex of Our Fathers or something like that. Give the movie like a, a tint to make it like look different, look help with the mood and stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to the Thor movie too. Especially with the director they got, and uh, looking forward to Avengers in what three more years. <laughs> now you're, you're talking about uh, what is it, Brandon Brandon Braga? Is that his name? Yeah, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, because that guy can do some great, great stuff. If they go with like the Guardian stuff for the movie, that's gonna be great. Is he confirmed on that? I've heard the rumor, but is he confirmed? I thought it was confirmed like last week. That could be awesome. That could that could really be awesome, especially if, like, like you say, if they stick mostly with the Asgardian story, which, to me personally, that that's really the direction I hope that they run. I, I hope that they leave the whole, you know, of course he's got to come to Earth and all that, but I hope that they leave the whole Don Blake thing uh, by the wayside because I never much cared for him changing back and forth Shazam style, you know, with the whole Don Blake personality. I'd much rather he were just the god all the time. So. Yeah. I hope that they keep Don Blake because I think Thor needs that human element to him. You don't think that would slow a movie down? No, I don't think it would be. I mean, we've seen hero transformations and origin introductions before. I don't see how Don Blake is any different. It depends on how That's well the cool. movie's written, I would bet. You know, written and you know, yeah. how well the movie's done whether they pull it off or not. But that's I would imagine that's the route they're gonna go. They'll probably have the Don Blake character in there. If you know, whether he play whether it ends up as a major role in it. If it doesn't it'll probably end up as something towards the end and if there's a sequel it might have a bigger role in it. I guess what I'm afraid of is that if they if they tether him to Don Blake, then the I, I'm imagining the reason they would end up doing it is so that they could inject the obligatory love story and I'd rather see a, a superhero movie f- that, for a change, doesn't Just do the, the standard thing. I, I'd much rather see him stay Thor all the time so that he's basically he, he's basically just a god all the time. And so the movie could stay in full-out, like, action movie, Lord of the Rings style, yeah. you know, Asgardian battle mode all the time through the whole movie, you know. And yeah. there's plenty of drama they could have between... You know, Thor and Odin and, you know, whatever else, you know, whatever drama they want to put in rather than having to, to make up some story with Don Blake, you know, and, and do the love story thing. And I've got to keep my identity a secret and all. I, I don't know. It's just, it's becoming so very cliched that I, I, I don't know. I just like Thor better when he's just God of Thunder all the time, right. you know. But that's just me. I mean, if they do it well, though, it could work. I mean, I've, you know, certainly read enough old, you know, Silver Age uh, Thor stories with, you know, when he was changing back and forth, you know, that that were good, good stuff. So they've got, you know, that well to draw from. Uh, will, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> as far as the captain goes, I I was really taken by surprise by that by the director. I was like, oh, who's this uh, Joe Johnson? And then uh, I looked at the credits and I was like, oh, cool, the Rocketeer. Like, uh, you can't go wrong with this guy now. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has. He definitely has uh, the right amount of credits. So I have faith in him as a director so far. As far as who's gonna play, who should play Cap? I think it should be. Um, I mentioned this on the boards before, but uh, it's got a name, uh, Ryan McPartland. He's usually this guy called, called uh, Captain Awesome in the the Chuck TV show. I don't know if you guys see that show. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Yeah. Does yeah, he look? Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. Does he look like your? He does look like Cap, Cap, but oh yeah, he, he definitely looks the part. But I'm not sure if he can act the part. Yeah, I mean that would be the only like hurdle. But uh, I think he can pull it off. He has the right, like the right voice, the right gravitas, and yeah, I, mean, I think he, if he's like a flexible actor, he can definitely do it. He's pretty tall. I think he's like six uh, two or something. So yeah, and also like the Juan's idea of uh, the period piece, like in sort of like a tint, uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, like a really cool, like yeah, like a tint uh, to the to the to the film or like a graininess. That would be pretty cool. Although I'm not sure if they can do the whole uh, ultimate cap uniform, they might have to just play out the whole maybe um, the traditional cap uniform without the like the goggles and stuff. You know how he was in the first Ultimate story, and like we had the yeah at all. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping is that that blend of like you know the classic Captain America and like one of the Doughboys or something. You know that that whole look. I really like that look. I thought that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, and as far as Thor goes, I would have to agree with you, Scott. I, I think uh, you can save the Donald Blake stuff for later. Uh, I would make it the ho- a whole movie, like the whole Thor movie, like uh, basically just Asgard, and then they can save like sort of like the way they're planning to do Cap as a period piece, and just maybe have him dunk him in ice and at the end, and just, he'll show up in the Avengers movie. It'll be similar to, uh, with Thor, so they'll play out the whole Asgard- Asgardian thing, and then Odin Odin will turn him into Donald Blake at the end of the movie. So we see him introduced in Avengers, so I think that would be pretty cool. And as far as who would play him, I've seen recommendations. I've seen the best one so far is, is Kevin McKidd. He played the guy um, Journeyman. I don't know if you guys seen that show. He, he like time travels back yeah. to like the 80s and stuff like that. I remember the ads for it, but I don't think I ever watched an episode, so I'm not re- real familiar with, with that actor. I wonder, you know, I was thinking about this a while ago, and tell me if this is a totally off-the-wall idea, but... I wonder if computer effects have come far enough yet that they could totally CGI Thor and make it believable. I mean, do you think that they could? I mean, you know, we've seen it done they with might like. do it like, um, what was that last Zemeckis movie? Beowulf, where they just uh, take an actor's head and put him on a. Yeah, you know, well, but the only problem with that, though, is then when you get to the Avengers movie, then that would be a completely different style of film. I, I can see that working for like a Thor standalone movie, but it wouldn't work when you get to the get to the ensemble uh, Avengers movie. So I, I don't know. Here's but another thing about CGI is, Mac- is whatever they if they do if they do something with a CGI in uh, in this one, by the time they do the the Avengers, CGI will be better. <laughs> so you're gonna end up. Yeah. Although that that sort of wasn't a problem in Star Wars, really, with like Yoda. Going from it wasn't that big an idea. Going from well, they're not people; they're down. creatures. That's true too. But um, oh, these pictures; these are these are your Thor or Captain oh, yeah. America. Mm-hmm. McPartland was yeah. Captain America, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I could see this guy being Thor for sure. Yeah, he would have just have to bulk up, but uh, the the height issue might be a problem because Thor is really really tall. <laughs> He's like six six or something. Yeah, but right. I have to, yeah. There's some movies. In a movie, that doesn't really matter. They can like. Camera angles and all that force perspective yeah. and, and they you know, did that with all the the hobbits in sure. Lord of the Rings. They made them all look kid size, so sure. yeah, they could do that. They could just CGI uh-huh. him to be bigger. 
<laughs> and yeah. pop him right back in yeah. there a couple feet taller. Yeah, that would all work. that stuff just adds give money. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just give him like stilts, not stilts, but like uh, like uh, added the uh, height with the boots and then just play it up with your camera angles and do the CG thing like you guys said with the, like the hobbits yeah. and stuff and it'll, perf- it'll look perfectly. I've been noticing Marvel's doing really well and they're really putting, to, I just saw an ad on TV for The Punisher and so they're, they're working on a lot of projects but you gotta figure there's only, you know, they're doing well with this stuff but there's only so much money to go around. So, so you know, right. I'm thinking Thor, the Punisher, are not going to get the budgets the Avengers get. Sort of similar oh, no. to the Fantastic Four. They figure, there's and, and with, with Thor and the Punisher, I think there's even less of an audience than the Fantastic Four, you know, as far as, far as that goes. So they're probably going to couch their bets on um, it being, you know, not making as much money, so maybe not putting as much budget into it. So maybe a CGI mm. Thor might be a little little expensive at this point. It depends on how they how they go about it. I mean, if it, it's been granted several years now since the last Lord of the Rings and all that, but if they could successfully market to the same audience that made those movies the the phenomenon that they were, and draw on that that same appeal, you know, with with the worlds of Asgard and the whole, you know, mystic sword and sorcery sure. and all that. Maybe even pull in a little bit of the Harry Potter crowd. They could have a major blockbuster on their hands. So it's it's all in how they produce right. it and how they market it. I mean, if they just slapdash something together and then fling it out there, it could it could be a disaster, you know, which is kind of unfortunately that's the feel I had with with the fanta- particularly the first Fantastic 4 movie, and that's kind of the feel I'm getting with this Punisher follow-up. It just it looked pretty there's it not looked pretty low buzz. budget. The, yeah, and it the, did, the, you the know? preview looked pretty low budget. It didn't look as low budget as the Dolph Lundgren version, but I just don't understand is. what that big oof collar is that he's he hit that outfit looks so uncomfortable and clunky in this and new cheesy, one. i just don't yeah. get the big goofy collar thing that he's got on i don't know if it's supposed to be a a flak vest or what he almost looks like a clergyman or something he's <laughs> he's just has anybody else seen what i'm talking yeah. about that big goofy yeah. collar that he's got it looks more like a uh, tactical gear maybe like something like a swat team member would, would, yeah. would wear yeah i just I don't mean, I, yeah, yeah. I don't get it. No, this I like this would be the opportunity to make... This is where I think the darkness of the Dark Knight would come into play, would be in a Punisher movie. Oh, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, that's the thing about the Marvel movies, is all the things that I've sort of wanted to see the most from Marvel comics have been done now in movies, and for the most part, they've been bungled. Like, I wanted to see Galactus, but I wanted to see yeah. big standing there Galactus, Gi- Gigundus guy standing on the horizon eating your planet. Not some weird interdimensional <laughs> creature type thing. Yeah. And what else did I want? I wanted to see, I, I would have liked to have seen a good Daredevil movie. You know, one where Me too. it was more of an adaption of the Frank Miller run of Daredevil with Bullseye and Elektra and all that. And I would have liked to have seen a good, the, you know, the Elektra movie was terrible. So was Daredevil. Both of them were yeah. just bungled. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem is that they try to they try to put too much Frank Miller stuff all at once. And, and plus, they didn't use that same visual style that M- Miller's usually known for, like that you see in his 300 and the Spirit films. So they, they didn't need to get Frank Miller as, a, as you know, as maybe Production a co-director designer. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But and Frank uh, Miller, somebody else who can... 
he would probably try to take it over and be Ryder, and that's where I would be scared. Although that would work with the Daredevil because <laughs> he wrote it in the first place. But boy, it was exactly. just—it was just so dis. Both of those were just so disappointing, you know, and they—they they were just so potentially good. And I haven't watched the Silver Surfer yet because I'm afraid because that's another one that I wanted, would have liked to have seen was a, a good adaption of the Silver Surfer. But I have a feeling it's. What? I'm not gonna like it. I think I think as a Fantastic Four movie, it might not have been good. But I thought the Silver Surfer was well represented. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I I really liked the second one, and I know I know I'm in the minority on that. I'm not saying it was a masterpiece or that it was a great movie. But I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought that they did try to take some of the criticisms that they got from the first one and do better. I think it was better. They they missed the mark still. Galactus ended up being a major disappointment. But overall, I mean, it was fun. And oh. the Silver Surfer kicked ass. I mean, he was really cool. Well, I know, yeah, but I want to see... I don't know. I just I guess it's not going to happen, but I want to see that Jack Kirby. You know, I want to see that story. Uh, that storyline is fine with me. You know, I don't need it updated or made I don't know I was really scared. Oh, I don't think it's I don't think it's dead I mean I that particular franchise is more than likely dead but I mean I don't think the Fantastic Four coming to the screen I don't think that that that, oh, that no. those movies necessarily killed it somebody eventually no. will pick that property back up and do it right well yeah, they're the gonna reboot about, it I mean hopefully Galactus won't be a cloud <laughs> uh, why well, I mean, you so c- get it's someone a- with better credits than uh, than barbershop, and then you make a good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's such a wrong choice of director. That's why you. How are you going to take a a low budget like comedy director to direct right. a, a high? That's supposed to be a high budget action flick. That just makes no sense to me. Well, they're tur- it's turning out there's you know just turning out to be some good comic like um. The guy who did Favreau is turning out yeah. to be oh, a yeah. good comic director. You know, he's does good on... I have some minor issues with him, but he just generally does a good job of capturing the essence of whatever. Now, I'm worried about... I haven't finished reading Watchmen yet. I'm worried about that director, because I found out it was the same director as 300, which I didn't like 300. I thought it was all style and, and no substance, so I'm sort of worried about Watchmen, although it looks visually beautiful, all the previews yeah. I've seen of it. Yeah, from all the trailers, it looks like you, you're going to get the whole, the whole story, but yeah, you can never know. It, it, well, it looks like it also sort of captures the feel of what I've read so far of the comic, and maybe, maybe I, I thought the comic of 300 was all style and no substance, so... That being said, I guess the movie was a pretty faithful adaption of it. But, uh, <laughs> Not a Marvel movie. That's true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, final uh, final thoughts, gentlemen? Well, as far as the Fantastic Four thing goes, uh, I think they're going to go ahead with the Silver Surfer movie and see what, how that does. And then if, if it bombs, they're probably just going to... It's probably going to be radioactive for a while until, like, somebody... Either Marvel just yeah, either it gets rebooted or Marvel gets the, the rights reverted back to them, and they'll just do it the, the right way. Uh, I like the second Fantastic Four movie, uh, but it just it was deeply flawed as well, like especially like Reed dancing and lame stuff like that. And Doom was never portrayed well enough, even though I kind of liked the armor in the second movie. But yeah, I think the future is bright for Marvel movies, uh, as long as they they can follow the same examples as Iron Man and Hulk. Uh, I think we're in for some good stuff, and especially yeah. the Spider-Man movies. I, I'm really excited for those, though. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that they're going to continue forward with the Spider-Man movies, because... Uh, Are they? Is it going to Sam Raimi? Yeah, supposedly yeah. he's coming back for uh, for yeah, look, one more, signed, possibly two more. He signed on for two more. 
movies. He and Toby are signed on, uh, have already signed contracts for the, the next few. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's excellent. That's good. I I've, I've enjoyed it all. I think he does a good, solid job. I mean, I've had there parts, cringeworthy parts in all of them, but... The, th- the third one had some really, like... I mean, the whole Saturday Night Fever dance routine part did really kind of suck, I thought. <laughs> but it was it, it was sort of Sam Raimi's style, so... It Overall, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just excited that we're finally getting, you know, what what is hopefully going to be a, 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 you know, a very good Cap movie. I mean, that's got me super psyched. I mean, Cap is one of my favorite characters of really been anxious for a long long time to see him come to the screen he just he seems like such a no-brainer that he'd be a great action hero that that somebody should have done this before now it feels like so i i have a lot of faith in joe johnston i think he'll do a good job i I think that'll be the movie to see and then uh, i've got a lot of faith in the avengers as well but overall i think the the biggest movie i'm looking forward to would be captain america and uh and i would definitely be on board for uh, for hulk sequels as well yeah i think i think a lot of what they should depend on is franchising because they're going to run out of you know how long will it be before we have vision and scarlet witch the movie or the brat pack <laughs> you know although I, I could do with like a long shot movie would be great i love this I'd love to see a Power Pack movie too. Yeah, Power Pack movie would be a great kid movie. You know who would be? A that, great, would, that would be an awesome kid movie. It's sure, and you could spin it director? off. Uh, Rodriguez, who did Sin City. Oh, he would be. A, but he's uh, he loves Zemeckis. doing kids movies, and his Spy Kids movies were great. They were fun. You know, they were great kid oh, movies. And so he would do it. Yeah, he would do a great Brat Pack movie. Let's let's get that idea out there. Maybe that'll wind up on a Hollywood desk somewhere. 15 degrees of separation from us. Yeah, that would be awesome. I like yeah, I definitely like that idea. Maybe we All right, gentlemen. A, the, finally get the Night Nurse movie. Oh, God. Maybe, maybe. oh, hope of all hope, we'll get a good Howard the Duck movie. Why was yeah. it silence? <laughs> no, I, I, I would be down for that. <laughs> Howard the Duck? Yeah. Wasn't wasn't that Life of John Paul comic one of their best-selling comics of the 80s? Why has that not been turned into a big-screen Marvel movie? You're right. Wouldn't it be great to go see that movie and see the, like, Marvel, that little Marvel montage? <laughs> Marvel logo. It's like Wolverine, <laughs> and then you see the Pope's face go, bye. I just want to hang around to the end to see Nick Fury come recruit the Pope for the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Mother Teresa with him. Oh God! Team. Be awesome. I believe. All right, a, I believe they did a Mother Teresa comic too, so it could be a great crossover. Oh, yeah, I think. I think you're right. There's an Easter egg for right. you right there. Any uh, any last thoughts? Uh, All right, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode. Catch Will Sanchez on the uh, Avengers Assemble podcast. Definitely a show to be listened to. Um, I've enjoyed them all so far, and uh, any Avengers fan that calls himself an Avengers fan better be listening, damn it. <laughs> Chris you. Johnson is on the Amazing Spider-Cast, and you said you, you guys are fixing to pick it up again, right? Fixing yep. to come to hiatus? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Looking forward to that big time. Once uh, Juan is all over the place, basically, you're on both of those shows, right? I'm pretty regular on the uh, Avengers podcast and the spider Casts. Excellent. So yeah, you can sit there and uh, also a, a bunch of books that, that, that you may be reading. 
Yeah. Next. Now, are you? Do you just do uh, inking here, there, and everywhere, or do you have like? Are you on a regular series, or how does that work? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, oh, okay. Do, do a lot of uh, do some ghost inking for some for some Marvel stuff, and uh, also do some some indie books on, on my own. Currently working on the Racer Kid and the Bounty Hunter series. Excellent. Thanks again, gentlemen, and uh, come back and see us again. Thank you, sir. Sure. I, I would love to. <laughs> All right. And I had think- a blast. Oh, thank you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. <laughs>